Hey. Hello. Good afternoon. How's it going? Going reasonably well. That's good. A apart from uh, the me being unsure about all of the venom things, I think it's going <laughs> fine. Well, I'm I'm completely unsure. I mean, like I I honestly I hate science for that. It's like it's <laughs> seriously all the time is like manic depressive. For sure. Does it make sense? Oh, I think it makes sense. No, it doesn't make sense. Does it make sense now? I think it does. I'll need to check this. Oh, it doesn't make sense again. Shit. Well, I think it's any any kind of really rigorous thought that's <coughs> honest, um, you know, that recognizes the possibility of your own um, fallibility is like that. I mean, I'm experiencing that very much. I mean, I experienced that in science, but I'm experiencing that very much in this whole, you know, consciousness thing constantly. You know, I'm, I'm trying to, to open myself to all of these different points of view because I feel that there's an ethical responsibility of a, of a, a thinker to engage openly. Yeah. And then, you know, they get in and, and, I, and I obviously I, I understand them and I embody them for a little while, but I, I, it makes me very confused because it's hard, you know, it's hard to reconcile them. It takes this incredible amount of energy to then go back and reconcile them with the position that you previously understood and previously was your, you know, strongest candidate explanation for whatever phenomenon you're talking about. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's constant hard work. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, in any way denigrating the uh, difficulty of dealing with, you know, philosophy and consciousness research, but I feel like there is still, uh, you know, a slight reason, slight difference here between, like, when you're studying, you know, uh, raw nature, whatever that means, when it's a raw, uh, it's like you might be seeing patterns when there are no patterns and you don't know that there is always this possibility that the thing that you're pursuing you're basically as is you know Dennis said you're trying to cut nature where there is no joint like you're mm -hmm. trying to see stuff that's not only not there but just the whole way of looking at things that way is wrong uh <laughs> while in coin in you know in things that is a processed science right when like you know consciousness research is by default will be processed science because you can't have raw data on that it will be it, like you can still be you know off the charts in terms of you know all people can be wrong about consciousness but you can kind of have a conversation if you know what i mean like you can kind of have some way of progressing uh because you kind of you know like you Basically, by treading water, you can progress. While in uh, studying raw nature, you know well, it doesn't seem like you can progress. Uh, yeah, I don't even, I don't really know where to begin addressing that. I mean, I agree with some of what you're saying. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I guess you know my my major problem here is not even the fact that studying whatever we are studying is you know. I mean, especially in, like this particular study is somewhat strange and I'm, I'm not sure whether there will be something. But it's more about that, like, you know, the, the uh, surrounding factors, that confounding factors. <laughs> like, you know, the fact that you only have so much time, like you need to finish this study, you know, by whatever time. You know, well, in this case, you know, it's like supervisor given, but it's still, you know, it will be like, you know, your um, contract ending, right? You can't be like, you know, Darwin and spending 40 years just, uh, or Mendel, just raising your fees and checking that. Like, you have to, you know, do that in time. And then you have to publish. Yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all in the same, we're <laughs> like, all in the same sure. boat. We're, we're all very much yeah, in the yeah, same no, boat. I'm not saying that somebody is not in the same place. I'm not saying, hey, you know, I'm in a different place. No, I know you're not. But I'm just like, yeah, I just, I I'm don't... just like, I see this as, as, a, as a problem. It's definitely as a problem. For humanity, not, not just for myself, for humanity, I mean, for the, humankind. The, numbers, the number of hours in the day, you know, seems like a fundamental problem here, especially if you're trying to uh, follow several research agendas simultaneously uh, and... It's not just the number of hours in the day, it's the amount of, um, you know, cognitive energy that you have, the amount of cognitive loading that is sustainable. 
and yeah, and there's this constant pressure to win money, uh, to you know get your grant applications in, to make sure they're really good, to publish your papers so that your grant applications are you know have a chance of getting through, so you've got the right track record. Uh, yeah, I really don't. I mean, I don't want to go into the whether studying consciousness is different. There are obvious there are obvious differences, but everything that you've said so far is is similar. And also, oh no, no, not, it is not, applicable. Not yeah, I mean, similar, it is, it is similar. Not only similar, yeah. directly related, because the 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 project, as I see it, for 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 really studying, you know, consciousness, if you want, uh, you know, consciousness is is a small part of trying, or a very large part, a very significant part of trying to understand the. Let's just—it's uh, hard to not go to some really big and high, you know, highfalutin sounding terminology. But like the coherence of nature, how how do we have a nature in which mind exists and in which you know the the truths of of reductive science are are true? Um, we have very good reason to believe that they are. And I actually think that the molecular evolutionary work. Um, that you know, you're you're we're working on together, but you're you know spearheading this informatics um, arm of that work. It's I think it's so directly related. I mean, it would be very it might be difficult right now to to elucidate the way in which those things are directly related. But we're talking about um, how novelty arises in evolution, and I think that that's really the fundamental question. Of, of all of these things. It's really the fundamental question of metaphysics almost. And, and where I'm at at the moment is trying to work out, you know, I've been through so many different theories of consciousness over the last several years, as you know, and I've, you know, I've really tried to do this ethical thing of really understanding them. Um, and now I'm at this point of wondering whether, uh, you know, you can, because I've always been, I guess, kind of, my my wheelhouse or my my primary um my home base is some sort of you know reductionist scientific um outlook because you know i'm trained as a scientist i mean you know uh and now i'm trying to work out to what extent we really need to address the metaphysics side of the issue you know i read that article a few years ago about chalmers and the hard problem and why because it was an unscientific question. And I think that the way that Chalmers has formulated it isn't... Like, I stand by that. I think that's an un unscientific um, formulation. But I'm really, really going there now and thinking that we have to address the metaphysics, even if only because it's such a huge part of the debate. Because, you know... The yeah, no, fair enough. Can you, can you pause for a second? Just restate the way you view... Uh, hard problem as Chalmers puts it like how what's your understanding of it oh wow so I guess you know Chalmers wants to ask the why question as in why. yeah yeah but you can can you just like right, present right. it as if I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try um, okay. well there are a number of ways of coming at it so Chalmers says that all the easy problems are basically all the information processing problems like all the all the problems of cognitive science, um, you know, of how we take in diverse sensory input and process it, and and even you know sort of understand it and use that as the basis for our actions in the world and all of that. He doesn't deny that that's difficult stuff, but he says that the hard problem is to uh, understand how subjectivity, how qualia, if you want how the sensation that it is like something to be a person or some other conscious organism, how that can arise from, you know, mere matter, so to speak. So how, how the physical can give rise to the mental. Um, and the way... I feel like, mm -hmm. like this is kind of, you know, close to the way I see it, yeah, like as his problem. But I just wanted to make sure that it's not just me seeing it that way mm -hmm. because for me it seems like... <clears throat> he is, uh, I mean, like, that his hard problem is not, you know, defined enough for it to be answered kind of properly or for it to be discredited properly. 
because mm. he can always like he can always find a way of saying yeah no that's not the way that's not the way the subjectivity arises sure. and I think you know he can make it, he can take it to the very you know uh, like end and say that until you you know show me until you make me you know feel how the subjectivity arises essentially right until you whatever change my subjectivity and then I will feel how it arises mm. then. So until I have, I will have subjective experience about how subjectivity arises. I will say that this problem is unsolvable. See what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so I think it needs to be clear. It's, it's some, somewhat weird because if you show him, hey, you know, these are two molecules. They group together. This is a neuron. They travel together. Yeah. Now neutron contacts that neuron, and you have a feeling of red. It's like no, it's not the subjectivity feeling of red. Yeah. So I think you know, in the first place. We need to be clear that Chalmers, Chalmers just, you know, he, he came up with this nomenclature. He labeled it the quote unquote hard problem. Uh, and he tried to make a rigorous formulation of that. And, and, you know, we can get into that as well, if you want, to the extent that I remember and to the extent that I attempted to debunk it a few years ago. Um, but yeah. th this is the classic, obviously, it's just the classic mind body problem, really, that has been has existed for, for, for millennia you know like it, it's not a new thing it's it's just his uh labeling for it uh and so the way that i framed it in that piece that i wrote a few years ago is that i was saying that there are certain kinds of why questions that are legitimate in science and i and i you know i came up with a taxonomy of why questions uh, and I subsequently realized that Dennett had done something similar, um, but probably less pretentious almost. You know, he used more plain language than I did. But the way I, the way I put it, yeah, I mean, Dennett's good with the plain language, that's for sure. Um, the way I put it, uh, or he can do that very well anyway. He doesn't necessarily do that in his papers. Anyway, the way I put it is that, you know, there were sort of mechanical or mechanistic why questions, which were questions about, mechanism um and they were obviously they exist in in physics and they exist in chemistry they exist in all of the the physical sciences and then there were functional why questions and those are you know those exist in in biology you know what purpose i mean give, but give us give us examples give us examples of the mechanistical question and the functional question okay so a mechanistic question might be it's like a how question so how do yeah. these two molecules interact you know what is it a hydrophobic interaction uh you know what what kind of forces exist that cause and this is just a you know very you know generic example that cause this molecule to bind to this molecule right um, yeah okay fair so, enough so that's like a mechanistic why question the yeah, yeah, yeah functional why question is the what purpose for what purpose did those two did that interaction between those two molecules evolve so you know to bring it to our to venom um you know the function why does that particular toxin bind that receptor it does that because uh, that causes a deleterious effect in the target organism that facilitates the so feeding hold okay. on just like so that yeah. we bring it together so basically the functional <clears throat> question is yeah. you already have the mechanistical answer you don't have you to. kind of explain <clears throat> what like essentially why does this mechanistical thing happens at all well, right. What's this? What's the role of it? What's the meaning of it in terms of you know, not meaning as like you know, human being meaning, but meaning in terms of you know, sequence of you know, causes and effects, well, right? Well, it's it's the evolutionary question, right? So the the one, yeah, okay. yeah. So you don't necessarily have to have answered, and in many cases we haven't answered. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. But we don't always hold the mechanistic question in mind, and we don't need to when we are thinking about. The evolutionary question so you can very yeah. you can very um you know rationally investigate the evolution of a you know a toxin and receptor interaction and even to some degree the structure function interactions without going right down to say the level of the of the physics you know uh yeah but, but right? there, there is another like you know yeah. a related question i mean i know that we've been over this but yeah, we yeah. can be over this like once more do you think that the mechanistical explanation then mm. will uh, have all the explanatory power of the functional question 
if you look at it on the different level of you know um, like un not understanding but you know yeah. different level of explanation mm -hmm. basically like you can have you can explain the entire phenomenon yeah. using your mechanistical explanation like you say you know this particle moves there it requires an electron here it moves yeah. there it, you know electron there and so on so you explain the entire sequence of events without going onto the functional level no. So you can you, no, do you no. think you can do that in principle? No. No, okay. I don't. And that's the bi that's the big question here. That's the question that I'm really mining when I'm talking about um, bringing evolution into metaphysics. So if we just go back to to Chalmers for a second, what I was saying that Chalmers is doing is instead of asking one of those um, sort of uh, why questions that is generally considered to be admissible in science like the mechanistic why question or the functional why question which is the evolutionary why question what he's actually asking is the metaphysical why question which is essentially the why does subjectivity exist question right um and he, mm -hmm. he he explicitly when he formulates it he explicitly says this isn't a question about mechanism because that's all that you know information processing cognitive science stuff this isn't a question about function, which is the evolutionary stuff. So he explicitly denies that it's one of those two types of... of he hasn't formulated in the way that I did, but he, he basically um, explicitly denies that it's one of those two questions. And, you know, the, the other option is the metaphysical question. And that's like asking the question, why atoms, you know? Or why quarks, or, or why whatever fundamental part yeah, of... Yeah, but you can have an explanation of, like, hold on. Yeah. Let's let's just uh, me try try to uh, understand where you're coming from. Sure. So we can say you know why atoms because of we course. have you know whatever big bang and we have you know whatever the uh, forces of whatever how it's called short interaction I think it will be the straight, right term. Weak forces. I know like I know the Latin term I don't know the English term the close you know space interactions. Yeah. So the nuclear. You have the yeah, but I mean you have them and that's why atoms. Yes. That's the mechanistic answer for why question for for why atoms, um, but there's another question, which is the meta you know a meta metaphysics is a taxonomy of of what exists right, um, yeah. and I guess the way see I mean it does become a bit um, <coughs> what does it become? basically like mm. as you, as you know I believe that you can explain everything on the level without going into the next level like in, you will explain in terms of you will give explanation why this phenomenon occurs you wouldn't give an explanation you know of uh like all the levels of this phenomenon occurring and all the um like meanings of this phenomenon right but uh you will explain all the causes and effects that led to that phenomenon well i think that that is the classic um I mean, there are so many different terms for it. You could say it's the Newtonian. You could say it's the Laplacian after Laplace's demon. You could say it's the Spinozian, yeah. you know, or, or Einsteinian, you know. In, in, in Einsteinian determinism, which is basically a species of Spinozan determinism, um, and maybe I'm just going way too crazy with the jargon here for, for the podcast, but... In in Einsteinian, yeah, you're already so crazy with the jargon yeah. for the podcast, so that you keep to your That's fine. So in, that'll be like that'll be a jargon special. So, so you go on. So in Einsteinian determinism, uh, the the only causal player, the only causal agent, if you want, I mean agent in inverted commas, is the Big Bang. So it's it's much the same as saying. There are no why questions in science, in fact. Mm -hmm. It's basically so as to say, why? Because we had a Big Bang, which is quite the same as saying, why? Because God did it, you know? It's so... I mean, I completely agree with you, but I yeah. still, like, I don't quite see the um, point of, like, where we choose to, you know, <laughs> differ in this. Because... Like, if we compare it to group selection for the sake of argument, uh -huh. I don't know, just because we've been talking about group selection, and I think it can be, you know, yeah, just here. Yeah. So, 
people essentially say that we don't need this level of explanation of sure. groups. Yeah. We don't. We can just only. We can just stay basically on the level of genes. It doesn't matter how you know populations use the genes. It doesn't matter how populations are separated into groups or species separated into populations. What matters is how genes you know behave yeah. and how they mutate and how they change and how they interact. That's all you need. And that's essentially. Like, where I'm st uh, standing is I'm saying, yeah, you can explain that in terms of, you know, the sequence of events. Yeah. You can say this gene went there, mutated into, you know, different version of the gene. Because of that, the zebras, you know, became colored red. Because it became colored red, you know, it's like now we have this gene population. So okay, you can you, you don't need to go higher than genes. Well, but... You, if you want to know, you know exactly why this is happening. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> you need to understand, you know, the dynamics of the population. But so, so you exactly. can, in principle, explain all the sequence of events without going there. And in fact, you know, by mainstream biology is doing normally that. Well, kind of, but not. Uh, I don't think that that. I don't think that's what mainstream biology is doing. I think that that's what one branch of mainstream <laughs> biology is doing because I think you know, there's the whole. You know, any study of, of animal <coughs> behavior or ecology or, 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 you know, any number of other fields is not doing that, is actually... Yeah, yeah, but they, but they, but they shun group selection. For some reason, yeah, group sure. selection is like a no-no thing. But that's, well, I don't know if we really want to get into group selection specifically again. But yes, yeah, no, we don't want to get into that. I mean, we, we've no. talked a little bit on the podcast already about the levels of analysis... Um, issue in in i guess in philosophy of science it's in in science but you know it's the, the philosophy of science the job there is to explain the existence of this issue and and what it is um so if you were to talk about um you know movements of atoms or or whatever your particular fundamental level is it could be it could be genes. It could be, you know, neurons. Super strings. I vote I for super strings and okay. the god eagle. I think god eagle is the <laughs> beginning and end of everything. So if you were to talk about that, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that, that would be fine. But you would have an explanation that only related to that. So it wouldn't tell you. It would tell you precisely nothing about, um, you know, why zebras have stripes. If you talked about the atoms <laughs> or the superstrings that zebras are composed of, and right, so you accept that. Hold on, like this is. I mean, maybe this is just you know the differences in me, like you know the concept of why in English and the concept of why in my head. Mm. Uh, because in my understanding, <clears throat> I will answer the why zebra zebras have stripes if I'm going through the even like atomic explanation because I you know um, presented in theory in this you know ideal situation I presented a sequence of events that led for zebra to have stripes no like, zebras were no atom went there, that atom went there they yeah. collided here it is but the zebras were no part of your explanation so you can't suddenly jump to the level of zebras uh, when you've only been talking, all but you've, you've in, got. But in, in is this patterns. case, zebra is like you know a spa spatial, like you know it's piece of space. It's like why do we have atoms in the ocean? Why do we have stripes on zebra? It's kind of a, like on this level of explanation, it will be the same question. It's like why these atoms came there and became there because they came there, kind of like that. Yeah, so you will have learned fundamentally nothing about why they've come there, as you've just said, because they came there. I mean, that's no kind of answer, and also. Imagine this, right? And this this will steer dangerously close to the to the sin of downwards causation. You know, it will sound like it is, but remember, well, remember you can remember at least that we're we're talking about a monistic system with multiple levels of description, right? But so there's no such thing as downwards causation as such. But imagine that there are um, a certain kind of arrangement of strings is more common than another kind of arrangement of strings and that that prevalence of one particular pattern cannot be explained solely in at the level of interactions between strings because that actually represent that is the particular arrangement of strings that needs to exist in order for zebras to have stripes 
And the reason zebras have stripes is because they live in grasslands, or actually it's more for, um, it's for, what is it, group invisibility. Zebras all look very, very similar to each other. They're not actually very well camouflaged, but they're camouflaged within the group. Um, you know, so that makes it very confusing for predators because they have very, they have a very hard time in singling out individuals. And also that, that striping effect obviously does break up the shape. Um, and there's a kind of a flicker fusion effect, which we can presumably, uh, you know, we can hypothesize also contributes to the confusion of predators when they're trying to f pick an individual target. You know, if a lion charges at a herd of zebra and attacks the herd of zebras, um, its chances of success are going to be much lower than if it singles out an individual zebra, particularly if a pride of lions or, you know, that subset of the pride that's hunting, the, the hunting females and occasionally the male when he can be bothered, um, if they single out one zebra and work in a coordinated fashion to bring down that zebra, they're going to be much more successful than if they target herd of zebra, you know, if they target that collective, right? And so it, that is the reason, or that is one of the hypothesized reasons why zebras have stripes. It's a... Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. You but I mean, that's be, like... No. I mean, I do it like... I mean, our view on this, obviously, right? Uh, but... Yeah, but um, just, just what, I don't, what I don't see is how then we can't just go then further and say, you know the you know like some higher mechanisms let the zebra have stripes like you know i mean it will be hard for me to come up with something that is not god but like for the sake of argument god god puts zebras there and you know like i don't see how we can stop at any level if we um like want to find to answer the you know the ultimate why question like because the uh, you know, the atom explanation explains how the atoms ended up there, you know? The uh, gene dynamic explanation explains how the genes ended up there and why they ended up like this. The population and group selection explanation explains why do zebras need that in the first place, right? And then you have, like, ecology of all of that. But then you can continue further and further and further. And I think, you know, in terms of Chalmers' heart question, this is, like, the ultimate question. It's, like, it can never be reached. In, like because I mean I think it's specifically made so, so uh, like yes. I think you know the, the the problem here is that at what level do we stop? At what level do we say that our explanation is Complete. you know finite? Yeah. Because Complete. I mean yeah you know explaining with atoms uh, yes uh, explaining with atoms the zebra stripes is somewhat far fetched. But then when, you know, like they explain with atoms the behavior of metals, it's suddenly not far-fetched, right? Because we don't perceive the next level from, you know, atoms in, you know, piece of metal. Sure. But previously we didn't perceive, you know, the levels of reality that we have now. So at what point do we like, hey, you know, we stop here? Well, again, that's, that is the, as you said, I mean, that's the really, really big question. So, I mean, one of the key principles that suck I... It, suck it up, Chalmers. This is the hard question. When do we stop? Well, so, again, what I tried to say in that article about Chalmers was that mm. this might be a legitimate question, but it was not a scientific question because science specifically, um, you know, forgoes the metaphysical why question. I mean, that's one of the, one of the principles... Which mainstream science operates by, but now where I'm okay, at, yeah, okay, okay, hold on, give us like, give us the, uh, I mean, you probably gave it already, but can you give it again? Uh, differences between metaphysical why question and scientific why question. So well, so what I argued in that thing, and I'm not saying that I that I necessarily stand by this. I mean, I stand by it to some extent, in that this is the way mainstream science tends to view things. What I'm really trying to question now is what the... Yeah, the, the, yeah I mean, we'll, we'll yeah. get into there, but okay. first, let's both, to start, uh, you know, okay, so what's I, the scientific wine question and what's metaphysical okay, wine so, question? Okay, so I did, I did already um, go through that. So the, the two, the, the scientific why questions were the mechanistic why question and the functional why question. Yeah? Okay. So I explained that. Okay. Um, 
metaphysics. Yeah. Okay, so there's a metaphysical what question, if you want, <laughs> like if you want to call it that, which is the what exists. You know, metaphysics is like the taxonomy of of what is basically, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the metaphysical why question is basically why does that stuff exist and so what science tends to posit exactly as i guess you have just said is that there is like a bottom so to speak because science has this hierarchical the natural sciences have this this hierarchical reductionistic framework in which you know physics is at the bottom and then chemistry is above that and then you know biology is on top of that and in principle there is the, like the goal of the unified theory in physics is kind of the idea that actually you are advocating which is that if you had a com- a, a theory which completely um explained basically physics then you would have a theory of everything you know and we're at we've been at that point for a while i guess since the establishment of quantum mechanics and its you know great success in terms of predicting um certain things in toy systems uh and also obviously it's great success in 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 technology like the way we've been able to utilize it um and obviously also i guess relativity comes in here as well but again you're already running into the level of analysis problem when you talk about quantum mechanics versus relativity because relativity is like the physics of large things and quantum mechanics is the physics of the very small stuff and then you know which is the which is the real thing man you know which is which is the true true how how is reality exactly and i'm kind of arguing and I'm not I'm not ready at the moment to to make a, a very, you know, simple and lucid formulation of this, I think. But you know what I've argued about levels of analysis? I have said that there are no privileged levels of analysis. So I've said that you cannot say if you're a monist, so if you if you consider you know, reality to be this one big, coherent, unified, whatever system, then uh-huh. you, you cannot privilege one level of analysis beyond another. So you can't say that the true description of reality takes place at the level of the, the quarks or the superstrings or whatever it might be, and that everything other than that is an illusion. Oh, it's just an illusion because of our perspective as humans. Of course, we see... Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of physicists, they take exactly that approach. Yeah. They're like, yeah. that is an illusion. Consciousness is an illusion. Free will is an illusion. Life exactly. is an illusion. And that's, there are only atoms. That's the arrogance, I will call it, of, phys- yeah. of physics. You know, that's the arrogance of physics. And, it's, and to some extent, that is... Not to some extent that is reified, that is made real, and even um, celebrated in the other natural sciences, and that's known as physics envy. So every other science tries to be as much like physics as it possibly can be, and then you get people who are actually neuroscientists, for example, and they are looking at the level of the neuron. And they're looking at, you know, neuronal activity and they're saying, oh, well, there's no space in here for the for consciousness, because, look, we can explain your behavior in terms of lev- this level of analysis, the level of the neuron. And what I'm saying is, no, that's just physics envy. You can't say that the neuron if you're a, if you're a physicalist, if you believe that the mind is entirely an expression of the actions of neurons and the brain. So if you're a monist in that sense, you cannot say that thoughts are less causally significant than patterns of neurons firing because they're the same thing. They're two different. Yeah, but man, but they, that's exactly exactly because they're the same thing. Yeah. You uh, it's like it's again, you know, we're saying that consciousness <laughs> is illusion. That's a different, you know, claim. But saying that you can explain a human brain or a human individual from from the basis of neurons or even from the basis of you know neuromediators, that's a different thing. Like 
you can provide an explanation. It's just that explanation won't be, you know, somewhat readable to you. Like, It'll you know, exactly, yeah. exactly because it's the same thing. Like, you know, you give all the the um, uh, like explanations, you know, in terms of causes and effects, how this thing moves, how it operates, how it creates, you know, response, how it perceives things, without going on to the level of subjectivity. You can, I'd like, you can do that in principle, right? And you can do that in principle for the entire universe, maybe. Uh, but, uh, so it's like, you know... I think uh, this is just com a... Com like it's, it's like compared to computer code, right? Yeah. You have the basic computer code. You have the, you know, zeros and ones. On that, you, you have a computer code of the high order that, you know, like, starts to operate zeros and ones. Then you have a high order, and then you go to, you know, like... Uh, languages like I don't know Python, which all operates within the uh, you know sphere of a code, which is your operating system that is already you know operating within the sphere of the code, which is your assembler. So, but in on each of the levels, you uh, have the same thing. It's just that same thing is interpreted with, like within the different framework. If that makes sense. That's... So you have you know your zeros and ones, and that zeros and ones make a you know specific function and assembler and then that specific function and assembler makes specific you know command in python yes yeah, so but that... you can explain all of that without going you know into the python level you can explain that you know for the staying within the zeros and ones it's just you won't understand what that means but you can explain it well then no then it won't be an explanation that's what explanation means um, so that's what i what, i mean what you said is is what i said which is that there's no privileged level in terms of causation. So what I was saying about consciousness is that you cannot say that thoughts are less causal than neurons, right? That's what I was saying. Um, yeah. But also, you have to think about... See, this is where... But then you can't say that neurons are less causal than thoughts. Well, no one is saying that. Who's saying that? Um, what we might say is that the explanation, well, we might say that there is no explanation of love, okay, to take a classic example, at the level of neurons or at the level of hormones. At that level, there's an explanation of, you know, neurons firing and hormones moving around and things like that. And that might actually be what on some level is love, right? Again, you're a monist, you're a physicalist. But it's not an explanation of it. It is merely a description at a certain level of the, and people will say this, the correlates. Those are the I neural think correlates. You can be quite, quite a good you know, hypnotist. You can be like, and now you are asleep. You are asleep. You can. You probably can do that. That was quite fun. Are you saying that I'm putting, <laughs> I'm putting you to sleep with this? <laughs> no, no, it's not about putting you to sleep. It's more like, you know, you have that, you know. Like, the way you stress words and, like, you know, you put certain power into words and, like, you load them with intonation. It's it's quite good. So, look, I mean, look I, it, the, it's the, just like <laughs> trying to, like, you know, remo remove the degree of seriousness in conversation because, like, you know, we need to get with this somewhere. Sure, so, sure. Well, we are. I mean, we, so, we are exploring. Yeah, we, we're kind of progressing, but just, well, like, uh, to re rehash to this point. Yeah. Uh, do you think it is necessary to have all... The, I mean, I'm doing your intonations. Do you think it's necessary <laughs> to have all the levels of analysis that it's possible for you to present or to envision in order to explain something? No, I don't think that. But you will need to explain it on the level relevant to uh, you know that which <laughs> it is being perceived or takes place on. Uh, so okay. So you don't need you don't you don't need to have that explanation about zebras stripes if all you want to talk about is is patterns of strings, right? You don't need that. Uh -huh. But if if you want to talk about why zebras have stripes, your explanation of patterns of strings is not an explanation of why zebras have stripes. That's what I'm saying. It's irrelevant. Okay. Um which is the thing is, so now we have to ask. This is the very big question. Uh and this, this, again, this hierarchical arrangement of the sciences and this hierarchical arrangement, therefore, of the levels of description 
is very, very deeply rooted in the way people consider a lot of these problems. And I would suggest uh-huh. that one of the original splits and what is the mind-body problem. Because on the one hand, you have all these thoughts and you have this... And, and by the way, this is kind of separate to the hard problem of, of Chalmers again, because, and we can get to that and why it's somewhat separate of that. It's like saying, it's like the psychology versus, you know, neuroscience split, if you want. Um, that is a, is a very, very deep split, uh, which people still have a very, very hard time getting over it. Some people want to say, look, once you've explained the activity of the neurons, that's all it is. You know, you've got your complete explanation. And then other people want to say, well, hey, we've got this field called psychology and, you know, we've got the way I feel, man. And you haven't explained that. And and they're actually right. You you won't have explained that. You will have a... Yeah, but explain the way you feel in psychology either. Because in psychology, you would, you might explain, you know, what's the reason for you to feel that way. But you don't explain why you feel it that way. Okay, sure. So, so now you, you might be talking like, about the problem of subjectivity again. And that is Chalmers' hard problem. So I guess... Yeah. Let me just try to... F- to to ask this question this is a big question here uh, okay let's ask you so if if we agree let's just take it for the sake of discussion for a second that we agree there are no privileged levels um, of analysis and that if you want to explain a phenomenon on a given level of analysis uh, so if you want to explain why zebras have stripes that explanation will necessarily have to take place in terms of you know the evolution of zebras and their you know avoiding predators and all that kind of stuff so if we agree with that so you'll have to isolate Uh causation to the level of zebras and predators to that evolutionary level um in order to have an explanation of that you you then you then ask there's then the, the question that people want to have answered it's like to what extent is this metaphysically significant? So the fact that you couldn't describe zebra stripe evolution at the level of strings or quarks or whatever you take to be your fundamental particle, to what extent is that metaphysical? And, okay, this is where it gets really... Like, to formulate that a bit more technically, the laws of physics are famously reversible in time. Right? There is no dimension of time. They're reversible. But we know that there is an arrow to t- time. And of course, we have Boltzmann's thermodynamics and all of that. And I don't think we, we necessarily... Yeah, I mean, you can go, go into synergetics. You can go into like more, you know, different ways of dealing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are lots of ways of thinking about that. Um, and then, so there's an arrow of time that, you know exists from the very beginning of time. So again, if you take an Einsteinian model and time begins with the Big Bang, the arrow of time begins at the Big Bang, right? And of course, Uh you can say that, you know, there is no past and no future in an Einsteinian block universe, but nonetheless, there's a directionality. You could be traveling either way on it, but there would still be a directionality, right? And that, Uh that massively, therefore, predates you know, by some 10 billion years, predates the origin of life on Earth. But something else appears to happen with the origin of life on Earth, which is almost like a kicking into a different gear of that arrow of time, which is that something that appears to be very much what has always been thought of as teleology, so as goal-directed activity or movement or progress or whatever you want to call it, seems to appear. And, of course, this has been a huge problem for science, was a huge problem for science, until the theory of natural selection, which explained part of why we have teleology. But there are notable things that the theory of natural selection can't explain, like the origin of life itself. And so if you take, if you wind back teleology to the origin of life... Then you want to start asking questions about, you know, does teleology emerge there or are there teleological principles instantiated in this arrow of time that inevitably were moving in the direction of life evolving and all of that kind of stuff. Um, And so the, the big split between people like, let's say, Daniel Dennett 
Daniel Dennett is a reductionist in the traditional, uh, you know, modern scientific framework, but he is also a great defender of natural teleology because he says that Darwin legitimized natural teleology, right? But what he doesn't do is he doesn't want to wind that back. Like, he wants to still accept, despite the fact that teleology exists in the biological world, he wants to accept the fact that this just emerged out of non-teleological physics. And in some way, like, we can't really do it, but in some way it's all reducible to non-teleological physics. Other people are saying, sorry, but you are ignoring the problem. There's something going on here. There's some deep principle of teleology that's manifest, that basically has to be represented at the most fundamental level in our description of the universe for us to explain the emergence of life and its subsequent um, you know, uh, progress along teleological lines. So they want to say... I don't, yeah. I don't understand that argument. This argument seems to be stupid to me. I don't see how why we should have something on the very basis level, basic level, to explain some higher order phenomenon. Like, it's the same as you saying, well, there has to, well, you can't just explain, you know, computer games with your zeros and ones. So you have to have a specific tool there that will explain the, you know, three-dimensionality and fun of computer games. Well, <laughs> like, I don't see how that is different. You can't explain computer games with zero and ones. For example, you can't explain why they exist. Well, you, um, you know, so yeah. you, you haven't yeah, got I mean, a in, in a way, I mean, like again, you can't kind of a can, but like yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. But the the question that in order to explain the emergence of life, we have to have something on the fundamental level that will be related to the evil, you know, the emergence of life. This to me rings very stupid. Well. So here's this is this is the point at which I'm at right now in which I've been you know in some sense I've been even more well you're all, you're kind of all over the place and not um not classifiable taxonomically which is which is great um in terms of whether you're you know you're one ist or you're an adherent of one ism or another and that's great and I mean in a lot of ways neither am I uh however in some sense I've probably had more of the beliefs let's say that are characteristic of a reductionist you know in the however many years you know six years or whatever that you and i've known each other i've had more of the beliefs that are typically associated with a reductionist than you have and of course we can easily just point to your you know and we can go there if you want but your sort of tacit belief in god uh your your and magic and other such things, which we haven't really touched on in the in the podcast. Let's not go there right now. But <laughs> yeah, let's not go there right now. Yes, but let's, in, in some sense, definitely, let's not go there right now. But I think because of that kind of stuff, in some sense, it's possible to argue that I have been more of a quote unquote reductionist than you. And of course, I've been extremely influenced by, you know, I mean, by Daniel Dennett, for for example in the way that I think of evolution, in the way that I think of consciousness. And I and I, I continue to have profound respect for his view of consciousness. And I think that it is... I think he's one of the, the, the great theorists of consciousness. And I think that the where he's come to now, and I mean, he will, of course, admit himself that his view has evolved a lot, He's now very much in, and it always has been to some extent, the kind of Bayesian brain camp. And I think that Andy Clark, philosopher Andy Clark, is, is one of the real leaders of, you know, explaining what that means and, and what that means for all of our normal um, or, or our historical conceptions of, of mind and all that kind of stuff. So it's been very normal for me. To, to have that view that, well, it's just emergence, you know, in some sense, although Dennett doesn't like the term emergence for other reasons, but it's that, yeah, you know, there's, there's fundamentally nothing different about life and non-life, and there's fundamentally different nothing different about mind and non-mind in terms of its constituents, um, but what's different is the yeah, activity but I mean, we and can't, the we can't really argue with that. It would be like that's my point. It would be stupid to argue with that. 
it's all zeros and ones, it's all atoms or whatever, fluctuations in gravity field, whatever it, it is now. But well, this like, is the thing, man. It, it it clearly would not be stupid to argue with that because I'm currently I'm currently engaging with that in a new way because man, but. Yeah, but the fact that people argue with that doesn't make doesn't make it less stupid. It's like people argue that you know we have uh, you know quants of consciousness and molecules, or you know we have quants of moral mor- morality and uh, you know everything. Like an atom can be moral. Or okay, something. okay. So instead of instead of saying.